Hi, this is David Sachs, and welcome to Spiritual Tools for an Outrageous World. Every week we do a little couples therapy between us and God. It's a chance to deepen and explore our most important relationship. Hi, this is David Sachs with a special midweek podcast on love and raising up fallen love. If you'd like to be part of the Zoom talks that we've been doing, subscribe at TorahOnitunes.com. We'd love to make you a part of the community. Okay, I'm glad you're here. Um, we're uh, we're in the, this awesome month of Elul, and uh, you know it's it's just it, it it's so big. It's so big because this is the month um, that that leads up to, to Rosh Hashanah, and I just kind of want to talk about just just the possibilities, um, just a, a, a way of thinking of, of, of this time, because this is a very, very awesome time during the year that, that, that has unique opportunities um, to shape our lives and to shape the world. And, uh, you know, if we, if we can understand it better, then we can use it better. So I'm going to try to, uh, to the best of my ability, just understand or, or explain um, what is going on right now. And, 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 and the opportunities that are available, okay? So, so there's certain things that the, the sages, different clues, different hints that the sages have given us uh, to try to explain the, the, the greatness of this period of time. Um, so I think everybody knows that, that every month has a different mazel um, associated with it. So, so mazel, you know, like uh, is kind of, Unfortunately, um, translated as luck, as in Mazel Tov, like good luck. But that's that's not really what Mazel is. Mazel basically, you see, there's energy coming down from heaven, twenty four seven, and 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 it's it it varies. It varies the type of the type of energy that's coming from uh, above to below varies, and it varies for different reasons. Um, it varies on what our behavior is. It, it, it varies on just the, the nature of the opportunities that Hashem is creating for us. There are all sorts of different variables in it. Um, but, but, but each month has a very distinct personality to it, um, which, which I always like to point out is, is different from the kind of the pure science understanding of time, which is that, that science, so to speak, is a par of ingredient. It's not, it doesn't have a personality at all. It's like it's just it's just what it is, and 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 that's the end of that. Whereas Torah understands like that the day of say Yom Kippur is different in essence than say Thursday the twenty fifth of March, right? That there's something there's there, there's an essential difference in that day, um, and so each month has a different essential difference from the other months. They, they have a personality, if you will, or, or different opportunities that, that, that are available during that time. Now, it's important, and it's one of the Torah mitzvahs, it's one of the 613 commandments, that you don't impart any power to those times. Because once you do that, then all of a sudden you're in the realm of, you know, basically some tangent of idol worship. Anytime you... Uh, in endow power to anything other than God, you are creating um, a, a, a false kind of construct. 
So we certainly don't do that with time itself. Um, so in, in that respect, time is like the scientific understanding of it is. It is just sort of this neutral sort of thing. And yet, there are characters to it. So in other words, blue is different from green. Blue doesn't have a power. Green doesn't have a power. And yet, blue is blue and green is green. They're different. Okay. So that's, that's the way it is with, with months. They have different traits and different qualities, but they don't have any power um, inherent in themselves. Okay. But God does offer us certain opportunities at certain times. Um, just to kind of give an example, like for instance, I, I will never get into the 100 meter dash representing the United States in the Olympics. <laughs> I don't even know in my prime. Well, actually, I do know in my prime that I would never be given that opportunity as well. But certainly at my present age, I am not going to be given that opportunity. So, so you see, it's, it's natural. We know from our own lives that during our lives, there are certain times in our lives that are opportunities for, for different things, right? And so, so you see that uh, within time itself as well. Okay, so this is just a an extended introduction to understanding the, the concept of mazel, um, which is this divine flow, which are creating these opportunities. So, so the, 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 in English, we would say the zodiac sign, but there are Torah versions of this, will give you a more, um, a more detailed understanding of what the personality is and what the opportunities are. So for Elul, it's the basula, and Basula would be uh, translated as virgin, um, as in Virgo the Virgin, which is the, the sign that it correlates in the, in the more secular understanding of these things. Um, so, so that's our first hint. The, the, the second hint is that there's a letter um, that the rabbis have told us gives you a clue or, or information into the nature of that time. So the letter for the month of Elul is the letter Yud, which is basically one of the holiest letters, you know? It's the first letter of Hashem's holiest name. And like I, I like to point out, just there's so much cool imagery uh, attached to the letter Yud. You know, of all the letters of the Olive Bays, and there are 22 letters and, and five final letters, so 27 letters total, there's only one letter out of those 27, that if you were to make a sort of a baseline on the page, every letter either hits the baseline or goes below the baseline. There's only one letter out of the entire olive base, out of the entire alphabet, which just floats in the air. And that's the letter Yud. And that's indicative of its holiness, that it's just beyond, 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 right? And, and, um, so it's interesting that the letter Yud is the letter for Elul, which is telling us that something is already different about this month. There's almost some supernatural quality about this month because it's correlating with the letter Yud. Okay, we're going to go deeper into this, but let's just kind of set the table, lay out what we have to work with before we start going into it more. So let me give you another um Another kind of data point 
um, that's going to help us to understand Elul. And and by the way, why do we want to understand Elul so much? Um, besides the fact that this is the month that we're in, uh, because Elul is basically here to help us with Rosh Hashanah, and and everybody knows that on Rosh Hashanah the decree for what this next year is going to be is about to come down. So so we all want to have the best year. We want to have the best year for for God, that God should have the most pleasure, the most nachas ruach, the most sort of like enjoyment from his bria, from his creation. You know, that's first and foremost. We want the best year for humanity, for just everyone in the world. We're all God's children. We want the best year for our families. And, and of course, we want the best year for ourselves as well. So, so, so all of this is on the line right now. And um, these are not sort of like willy-nilly um, decrees that come down from above. We are full participants in, in, in the year that we're about to um, be assigned. So, so that's, that's why Elul is so important, because Elul is that last opportunity and best opportunity um, to be able to affect what our next year is going to be. So that's why all this is so important and so relevant. Um, okay, but let's do the, the, the final data point, and then we're going to start to put these things together, okay? Which is, there's a very interesting um, prayer that we make. You should just know in terms of the nature of time, we have something called Shabbos Mavorachim, so, which would be literally translated as the, um, the, 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 the Shabbos where we bless. Okay, so what does that mean? So the last Shabbos of every month is is the time where we say the special prayer, where we say a blessing over the month that's about to happen. Okay? And they say sort of like more mystically, more Kabbalistically, that um, the entire coming month is contained within the last month, the last Shabbos of every month. Um, Okay, hopefully that's clear. The last Shabbos of every month is when we bless the next month, and the whole coming month is contained within that that last Shabbos of the month. Okay, very good. Now, this this prayer is very special that we say, and it's um, we ask for all sorts of things. We ask for health, and we ask for life, and we ask for Torah study, and we ask for uh, money, you know, uh, livelihood. We ask for, uh, in some Nusach's honor. So there, there are all sorts of personal blessings and very, very important blessings that we say every month. So now, you could ask yourself, well, you know, these are kind of a lot of the same things that we ask on Rosh Hashanah and, and Yom Kippur and all those days. So, so why are we repeating these same months as though, or these same prayers month to month? Um, if all this seemingly is determined on, on Rosh Hashanah. So, so the answer is like this. Basically, but I haven't really gotten to the point yet. The point is, is that there's one month, and this is what I want you to concentrate on. There's one month out of the year where we don't bless the coming month. So in other words, we do it 11 out of 12 months. We say this special blessing on the last Shabbos of the month. One month, one month out of the year, we don't do it. And that's the month of Elul. 
And you could probably, just based on what I've said, figure it out on your own. What did we say? We say that the whole coming month is contained within the last Shabbos of the year. Well, this next coming month is the month of Tishrei, which is a new year. So the new year is not contained in the last Shabbos. Right? Do you know why? The reason is because a brand new light is coming into the world. A brand new light is coming into the world. That's that's what Rosh Hashanah is. A light that's never been in the world before is coming into the world. So it can't be contained within the last Shabbos of the previous month because you're entering into a brand new world, a brand new universe, a brand new territory. It hasn't been created yet. So how can it exist in the previous month, in the previous year? It doesn't exist yet. So how does it work? Just to answer our previous question. When that new light comes into the world in Rosh Hashanah, then how that light gets apportioned can be affected over the next 11 months. Meaning to say, maybe you'll get more of that blessing in the coming month. It's going to get divided up. So those prayers are not um, repetitive. They're very relevant and they're very important prayers that we say month to month because we're dividing up all the blessing that came down on Rosh Hashanah. But when it comes to the new year, the light hasn't entered into the world yet. Okay. So now, based on... Based on that teaching, let's go back and try to understand what it means, the basula, the virgin, right? What is this concept of that? What is the concept of the yud, of the letter of the month? How do all these things tie together and what does it mean to us practically? So it means a lot. It means a lot. The first is just, I want you to imagine that, you know, there's this, we're in this sphere of time right now. Imagine you're inside of a bubble, right? And there's this very thin membrane, like, above you, right? That's the borderline between this realm that we're in right now and what's outside of it, what's beyond, right? And it's sort of like, you know, when you're in March or when you're in June or when you're in December or whatever it is, you're not close to that to like the edge, the edge of the bubble. (laughs) Right now, we're like right there. And what's on the other side of that bubble is going to be the new year, is going to be the new universe, is going to be our new lives. It's a very like dramatic thing. Like we're right on the precipice of the next thing. Okay. So so what what you have here you know, anytime you have the letter Yud, the way the sages have darshaned the, the letter Yud, they, the way they've explained the deeper meanings of, of the letter Yud, are it's always, they always impart the meaning of something very, very small to it. And given the fact that it's the Basula, it's the Virgin, that's, that's, that's the month of El. And, and why, by the way? 
why, by the way. Let's, I want to offer an explanation that sort of came to me based on these teachings. Because something new that's never entered into the world before is about to take place. That, that's why the basula is really, if you think about it, like the perfect imagery. There's a birth that's about to take place, but from a, a brand new entity, right? Something that's never given birth before, because this new world is, is, is a brand new creation. So that's why it's just the basula actually makes perfect sense for this. But, but let's go even in, in more detail, because, because I think that this imagery that the sages are giving us to understand what's about to take place um, is, is actually really tied to conception. And, and so the, this little drop, if you will, this little drop, which is the letter Yud, is like the male seed. And so that correlates very much again with this idea of the Bisula and the idea of conception and giving birth to this, to this new universe, to this new light that's about to enter into the world. Now, what's so exciting about that idea, um, in, in, in my understanding, is that we are active participants in giving birth to this new reality. And so, and, and what we're birthing basically is this element of time, time and space. It's just, it's, it's just amazing. We're, we're so used to the idea of conception and childbirth as being um, a physical being, like a, like a baby, right? Like, so cute. It's a baby, right? But, but this is like way out. What we're actually conceiving is like light and time and space and a new universe and new decrees. So, so it's, it's really, it's very exalted what it is that we're right in the process of doing right now. So, so let's go, let's go further into it. You see, if, um, you know, if you have two tall parents, um, more likely than not, their child is going to be tall. If you have two short parents, it's likely that the child is going to be short. Um, if you have two like parents that look like models, right? They're gorgeous. It's likely that the child is going to be gorgeous. If you have two parents that are um, super intellectuals, it's likely that the child is going to be very intellectual. See, that's just, that's, that's just genetics. And, and, and all of us just, that's just normal. I mean, we're not saying anything, uh, not saying anything innovative right now. Okay. So, so why am I bringing up this idea? Because we're, we're very much tied into this notion of conception and, and childbirth but, but what's about to be conceived and born is this new realm of time and space. Now, in terms of the decrees that are going to come down and be formulated, 
what, what decrees are going to be conceived is going to reflect who the parent is. And who the parent is, the way we define ourselves from a Torah basis is not really what we look like on the outside. It's what is the quality of our deeds? What is the quality of our prayers? How much of our heart and our mind are aligned in terms of our actions? These are all of the things that are going to be, quote unquote, genetically passed over and impactful in terms of what kind of year we're going to have. So in other words, the year that we have right now, like if you want it to be a good looking year, be good looking. (laughs) If you want it to be a righteous year that's coming, be righteous. Because the offspring, the offspring is going to resemble the parent. And so you say, well, you know, who am I fooling? You know what I mean? It's like, let's say I haven't taken a shower for a few weeks, right? And then I kind of put on a suit and tie and slick back my hair. And you know what God says? Hey, you look great. <laughs> so, but I haven't taken a shower in three weeks. Yeah, but you got a clean shirt on, you got a suit on, you got a tie on, your hair's all nice. You mean that means something to you, God? Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah, because uh-huh. that's the way you are right now. See, that's, that's amazing. This is, this is one of the greatest gifts that God gives us. And it's, if you want to know how um, 100% what I'm about to tell you is, if you look at the Torah reading on uh, Rosh Hashanah, so obviously the sages are going to pick a, a piece from the Torah. They can pick anywhere from the Torah that they want. They're going to pe- pick a piece of Torah, which is going to educate you about the essence of the day. Well, who of all people are we reading about on Rosh Hashanah? We're reading about Yishmael. Right? That's, you know, why are we reading about him, for goodness sakes? And the answer is because Yishmael is basically dying in the desert, but he does tshuva, and he connects himself to God, and God gives us this amazing, amazing blessing and teaching. He says, first of all, I'm going to save you, and I'm just looking at how you are, this moment. If you want to know what does God think about me, well, ask yourself this question. Who am I this moment? And that's what God thinks about you. You know, as the as the Baal Shem Tov famously said, and this is quoted by all the Rebbe's, this is one of the, the hallmark teachings of, of the Baal Shem Tov, which is, you ready? You are where your thoughts are. You are where your thoughts are. So, so you can, you can, you can change in a second, literally in a second. You know, I remember this story. I haven't seen it in any books, but I heard Reb Shlomo tell this story over more than once. It made such an impression on him. I don't know how many times Reb Shlomo was in Russia, but but he was in Russia at this time, and he was with a. 
uh, one of the holy chevra, you know, who who knows what he looked like. He may have had a long beard and long hair. I, I don't even know, but but that that was the sense that I got, and you know, some crazy keeper or something like this. Anyway, they were in an elevator in some building in in like Moscow, and this general like walks in with like all sorts of medals and things like that. And the way Rip Shlomo described him, I, I, I don't remember how the exact words, but that that basically his his face was made out of concrete. I mean, this guy was like you know, not an emotional being, you know, he just walked in, this Russian military officer. And um, I guess they all said hello. And, and uh, you know, this holy uh, Hevra, uh, you know, uh, student of Reb Shlomo's, right? He, he shook the general or what, whatever his rank was, shook his hand. And then as, you know, so many of us do, kissed his own hand, like like as a sign of love and respect, like he, he shook the man's hand and then as though that, that man had imparted something so sweet to him through just the mere shaking of his hand that the that the person kissed his hand as sort of like a, a, a show of honor. And Reb Shlomo described the expression that went on this Russian military officer's face like the guy melted on the spot. And, and Reb Shlomo just was, he talked about that for years, for years, that moment he talked about for years. That a person can change in a second because your thought about yourself, your thought of where you are at any moment can change in a second. And because your thought can change in a second, and since your thought is the defining essence of who you are, you can change in a second. So another bit of imagery that, that Rip Shlomo gave on this, on this uh, topic was, imagine like a, a, a huge cruise ship, you know, one of these things that holds, you know, hundreds and hundreds of people, and it's like several blocks long and everything like this. So he says, imagine it's in the middle of the ocean, like, you know, the the Queen Elizabeth or whatever it is, one of these giant, you know, cruise ships. Um, if it, it's in the middle of the ocean and it wants to turn around. So do you know how long it takes for a ship like that to actually turn around? It's like, it's a process. It's a process, you know? And he says, but not a person. If a person wants to go in a completely opposite direction, one second, one second. So, so let's get back to this idea, like, what am I going to give birth to? Well, who am I? Because we've established that there's a very strong connection between the parent and the child. If the child is the new year, then I get to decide what kind of parent that I want to be right now, with what traits that I want right now. And that's now, now we're, now we're really getting into the essence of this opportunity of what Elul is all about. Elul is me becoming the person, this opportunity, this opportunity to become the person that gives birth to this awesome new year. 
That's what's going on right now. Um, and what I like about this, and, and I would say that this is kind of true in general, is that it's very future looking. You know, as much as we talk about tshuva, and, um, you know, tshuva is, you know, return. It's return. It's getting closer to God. And tshuva is something that we can do. First of all, I, I, if you're not familiar with this idea, I want to just introduce it to you because it's, it's an important idea, which is uh, what I like to call instantaneous tshuva, right? Like, let's say you do something wrong. You go, ah, you can give yourself a clop, <laughs> you know, across your chest. You know, you know, it doesn't have to be too hard, but just it's uh, just kind of communicate something like regret, basically. And you go, ah, Hashem, I'm, I'm so sorry. I, you know, I, 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 I leaned against the wall and I turned on the light on Shabbos. It, it's not what I wanted to do. That wasn't my intent. I'm, I'm sorry I did it. Done. Done. Right? And, and to me, that's so important. It's so important. You, you do it on the spot, on the spot, Shuma, whatever it is. Because you're just in that constant dialogue with God, right? And, and then that includes any mistakes. But, but I guess what I'm trying to say is actually a different point, which is that so often we correlate this concept of tshuva with examining my past and everything like that. And by the way, that's 10,000% accurate. That, that would be the normative sort of case, you know. But I want to throw out a, a, a different idea, which I, I, I think that we're seeing right now in terms of our discussion of Elul, in terms of creating, creating this new time-space dimension that we're about to inhabit it with, with beautiful decrees that, that are, so to speak, our, our child, that, that reflect who we are. And, and what are these decrees, by the way? Um, th- these decrees are, that are coming in terms of our our livelihood in terms of, say, shaduchim, you know, marriage partners, things, things like this, children, all sorts of things like this. God is looking to optimize us, right? Um, you know, the, the, you, can, you can use sort of business imagery. Um, God makes an investment in each one of us, and he puts, so to speak, his money where his mouth is. Meaning to say he doesn't just go, you know, oh, you're a nice guy and I love you and what's next? You know, you know, it's not, it's not just words. He actually puts a piece of himself into us. That's what our soul is. Each one of our souls is a piece of God. That's like God, that's what I mean where God puts, so to speak, his money where his mouth is. He, he's actually investing in us. It's real. It's real. And, you know, you know, you don't you don't put a piece of yourself into something unless you really believe that 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 thing has potential. So so God loves all of us like way more than we realize. And the proof of it is that he is right there with us. He's put a part of himself into us. That's our souls. Okay, so. Now, God desires, and we also desire, that we should be the best versions of ourselves. 
So we want to take that soul within us, that, 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 that aspect of infinity that's within us, and we want to optimize it. Okay. That's what the decrees are in the coming year. That basically, based on who we are and how we're living our lives, God is going to figure out the next best way to optimize our potential. Now, God has different ways of doing that, you know? So you say, uh, well, you know, optimizing my potential would mean double my salary this year, God. Triple my salary this this year, God. But, you know, sometimes it's a, it's a hard year. You know, I've certainly had hard, hard years too. So it's sort of like, oh, how are you optimizing my potential, God, by cutting my salary drastically? Like, how does that work? Well, think of it in a business way. You know, sometimes you've got like, say, Starbucks or something like that. And they've got how many branches? You know, 1,000 branches, 2,000 branches, 500. I don't know how many branches around the world. You know, at the height of Starbucks, there was, many of you are probably familiar with The Onion. It's a... Uh, comedic sort of like news headline fake newspaper, but it's hilarious, right? And at the at the height of Starbucks, where they'd open, I, I saw this more than once at different places around the country, two Starbucks on the same block. Not a joke. You probably remember these days. Anyway, the headline of The Onion was Starbucks to open new Starbucks in bathroom of existing Starbucks. <laughs> okay. One of my all-time favorite headlines, right? But that's how insane the level of expansion was. Okay, we'll cut to another year. Uh, Starbucks took close 200 franchises. Well, why, why would they do that? Why would they do that? And the answer is, you know, maybe they weren't making money. Maybe they wanted to concentrate on making the existing franchises better and more profitable. So you see that that the decrees that come in the new year, hopefully they're favorable and hopefully they're more expansion oriented. In fact, remember the word blessing means expansion. And you see that in the, 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 the letters themselves. The remember Barech, that's the root of the word baruch, as in baruch atah, right? Blessed is God, right? Um, barech is the, the three-letter Hebrew root. That's beis, reish, chaf, sofit, okay? And interestingly, and this is from the Ma'aral, if you look at the gematria of barech, it's beis is two, reish is 200, that's 202, chaf is 20. So the gematria of the root of blessing is 222, 222. And the Maharal says, based on that, that there you see blessing at work, because blessing doubles. It takes what you have, and it doubles it. So that's, that's barech, 222. Blessing is expansion. Blessing equals expansion. So we're, we're so used to thinking of the new decrees coming in the new year, and this is what we all want, and God willing, we should all have this. 
um, is just more, more good things. But sometimes God wants us to scale down and to concentrate on the essentials and to do a better job with those. And then when we do a better job with those essentials, then we can expand some more. So, so this is the opportunity. Elul is the opportunity for us to try to make ourselves vessels, try to make ourselves through our actions, right? Through our actions, we create vessels, and those vessels can hold more light for expansion. So think about what you want more of. You know, we can do this in a very practical, systematic way. I want a wife. I want a husband. I want kids. I want my business to grow, right? And now think about what can I do right now, in this month, right now, to make myself better at that, right? So let's say, you know, I think a lot of us, um, Corona, we're all... 5, 10, 15 pounds heavier, right? Maybe I'll go to the gym, right? That's a concrete action that I'm taking. Uh, maybe I'll just look at how I'm spending money more, more, uh, more, more critically. Like maybe I can sort of divert those funds from, from there to there. Um, maybe, uh, you know, I can just sort of like do more chesed, more, more kindness in, in the community, right? Whatever it is, whatever it is, the, the, the more that we do, the better the decree looks like, because the more our new year will look like us. And since we're rising in righteousness right now, and since God judges us in the moment itself, the more the decrees will be favorable or how we would define favorable, you know, openly identifiably favorable. So these are things that, 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 that we could work on right now. And these are the opportunities. And now let me get back to a previous point that, that, that I wanted to finish because again, the nature of tshuva generally speaking is we look back on our previous ways and we try to fix them up in return. But what I'm suggesting here is is a different model in terms of understanding tshuva, uh, return. What I'm suggesting is that it's a future-oriented process, that I'm changing right now in order to make my future better. In other words, it's yes, it's also about fixing up the past, and that's that's an important element. I don't, I don't want to suggest otherwise. But there's just a much more positive, sort of exciting uh, attitude toward tshuva, when you, especially in Elul, when you understand that all the fixing that I'm doing, all the character improvement and, and, and refinement that I'm doing right now is reflecting on this exciting new future that I'm about to conceive, that's about to come into existence. So... So with that in mind, I want to uh, say over uh, a teaching that I learned uh, from, from Rob Frummer. Remember, he's also known as the Eretz Svi, and he was the 
the Rosh Hashiva of Hachmei Lublin, which was the greatest yeshiva in the world. And in the beginning of this week's Parsha, and all, all the weeks, uh, all these Parshas right now, leading up to Rosh Hashanah, are all about Rosh Hashanah, okay? Um, and it says, Shoftim um, um, that, 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 that judges and sometimes it will be, uh, translated as police officers or enforcers, right? You should, you should appoint. And Rav Firmer works with this, and I'll just tell you a little bit of what he says, but it, 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 it ties into one of my kind of favorite models, um, of just understanding ourselves and understanding the world which is connecting the heart and the mind. This is what he talks about, like very explicitly. And he says that the judges, the judges, that's your mind. And the enforcers, or right, let's say, you could say police officers, but let's say enforcers for now. The enforcers, that's your heart. So first of all, let's just take a moment to appreciate how cool that is. So your mind is the judge and the Implementer is the heart. Why? Why? Because the heart gives energy and life force to all of the limbs. So in other words, how does the, how does the mind enact its will? Let's say I want to drink of water, right? So, so the thought goes up in my mind, I would like a drink of water. And now the heart will now pump the blood to my limbs for me to stand up and walk over to the sink and get some water. Okay, do you see how the heart is the enforcer because he gives power to the body to implement the will of the mind, which is the judge? Okay, that seems straightforward enough. But now I want to just sort of like on my own right now, just delve into this imagery because I think I think it's such a great correlation that he's doing here in terms of... Uh, Judges and police, and the heart and the mind. Because think about it. And we know that so many societies, um, governments, um, unfortunately, around the world are so corrupt. And so how does it work? The judge, right, wants to implement a verdict. You know, send this criminal to prison for 15 years, right? And the police department is corrupt. The police go, and the police go, oh yeah, yeah, and they put him in the car to drive into the prison, and then they just drop him off on the side of the road, and they let, they let him do whatever he wants to do. Right. So there's an example where the police are working independently from the judge. The police don't care what the judge says. Because the police say, I'm going to do whatever I want to do. All right, now let's tap it back to the heart and the mind. The mind says, Shabbos is coming. And the heart says, so is this concert <laughs> downtown and this rave that I'd much rather go to. And then they just, the heart just kind of does its thing. Or let's, let's, let's do the opposite example right now, okay? The police catch a bad guy. It's a bad guy. It's a bad guy, right? Bring him into the court. Okay, we're going to put this guy behind bars. It's a bad guy. And the judge says, the judge has been bribed. 
And so they bring in this guy and the judge goes, um, I give this guy, uh, I find this guy innocent. <laughs> and he's back on the street. You see, because the heart, now let's plug it back into Ralph Frimmer's imagery. The heart in this case, now, now the heart's the good guy, okay? The heart wants to do the right thing. You know, how many people are like, in their heart, they, they, oh, they want to do the right thing in their heart, right? And then, but, but it doesn't get translated to the, to the mind in order to translate back to the heart to enact it, right? Because the mind's been bought off. The mind's been bribed, right? I'm supposed to do this. My heart tells me I should do this. I'm busy with other things. So there's an example where the judge is corrupt and the heart is good. So do you, do you see how many variables there are? So, so the Torah says you've got to appoint righteous judges and also the, the, the police officers, the enforcers, have to also be on the level. And if you have that, then the heart and the mind are aligned. And then things flow. Because the mind is saying, okay, listen, um, we got to do this thing. And the heart goes, yeah, I'm pumping blood to the limbs. We're doing it. And then you're rocking and rolling. Then, then, then you're in a good place. Because the heart and the mind are aligned. Now listen to this. A very interesting point, I think. The heart's got fat around it. And it actually does have fat around it, by the way. Just biologically, it's got fat around it. And so when the, when the Torah says, uh, circumcise your heart, get rid of this fatty layer from around your heart, what, what it's talking about is that the heart and the mind should be aligned. In other words, imagine, you know, you've got this, um, you've got this highway connecting your, your mind and your heart. But imagine there's this wall around the heart blocking you from getting to the heart. That's the, that, that's the fat around the heart. That's, the, that's, that's when, it, when it says circumcise your heart. It says it means get rid of that wall. That's stopping the mind from connecting to the heart, okay? Now, Rav Frimmer says something very, very beautiful. He says that when you're, when you're together, that the key to getting those things together, the mind and the heart together, is Torah study. That is the blessing. That is the blessing. Torah study will align these two things. And the way, the language that he uses is, is very beautiful. He says that the mind is going to shine light. It's going to shine light into the heart. And so based on that, this is, these are my words right now. You know what a laser is? A laser is concentrated light. And, you know, they have all sorts of surgeries now where they use lasers, where they're able to cut away negative aspects of our body, actually. 
um, now they have like corrective uh, eye surgery, right? Lasex, I think it's called, where they just kind of shine a laser into your eye and they they cut out all sorts of things and and then there you go, your your vision is correct. So isn't it interesting that Ralph Frimer says that the mind will shine a light onto the heart. And so what I think that's talking about is that basically if you learn Torah, you can turn that light into a laser and it will cut out the fatty parts around your heart. You will circumcise your heart. You want to know how to circumcise your heart? It's not metaphoric. Learn Torah. And your mind will shine a beam that will cut away anything that's blocking the mind and the heart from being together. Now, let's go further. Let's go further. Because it says, it says that, um, that if you, a little bit further, a few, a few verses down, it says, appoint judges, appoint like good judges, and that um, that you'll live long in the land. Um, I believe the language is Laman Tichyeh. Um, oh no, Laman Hayecha. That's it. that's what it is. Um, in other words, appoint righteous judges so that you will live, meaning successfully in the land of Israel. Right. So, what is the connection? between appointing, and if you if you look at the Rashi there about appointing judges, uh, Rashi says kosher judges, kshirim, right? That these are like righteous judges. That there's a direct correlation between righteous judges and life, right? Laman chayecha. You hear the word chay in there, life? That, that you will through the appointing of, of, of righteous judges, you will have life in the land. That, that, that's our question. And we'll just close with this idea. Um, Rabbi Frimer says something amazing because he just explains um, some terms that, that you'll see in all the holy books, but they're never fully explained, you know, like... The, the, you know, it's like I, I, I heard someone say that in Judaism, everything is hyperlinked, that, that, that everything connects to everything else. And it's sort of very hard to get like, like, just just tell me what it is. Oh, well, learn that. And then you learn that. And it's like, well, well what? I, no, no, no. But because you have to learn that also. So the opportunities to actually just have a very crucial foundational concept explained Sometimes they're, they're few and far between. So that's why I really treasure this teaching that I'm about to tell you, because it explains the word beerer. Now, beerer, you, you may or may not be familiar with this term, but it's a go-to word in all this farm, all this farm use it um, as like this thing that we want, like you want to. So, so we were translated as uh, clarification. Okay, so, okay, I get it. Clarity, I get why. Clarity is, 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 is important. You know what I mean? Like everyone wants clarity, but give me some more. (laughs) Give me some more. Of course I want clarity. Of course I do. But, 
But why is it, why is that the go-to word in all these books that I need beer clarification? Okay. So now we're going to clarify what the word clarify means. <laughs> and that's a great thing because um, this, this was new to me. And it, to me, it, it just solves a giant mystery. Why is this word Bureau clarification so important? Okay. So, so Ralph Rimmer explains it. He says, and it's, it's the connection between appointing judges and life. Okay. Now listen carefully. You see, mishpat is what, is what judges do. Mishpat means judgment. Okay? And mishpat creates clarity. All right. We still haven't explained it yet. Don't worry. We're still in the middle here. So, so what needs to be clarified exactly? That's the question. Okay? And here's the answer. Rav Hermer explains, when we ate from the eight sadas, when we ate from the tree of knowledge, good and bad got mixed up together. And of course, when we ate from the tree of knowledge, that's when death entered into the world. So now everything is mixed up. We don't know what's good and what's bad. And a lot of times, what looks good is bad. And a lot of times, what looks bad is good. It's very strange. You know, the, the example, I haven't told you this story in a long time. When my first child was very, very young, you know, like we were very careful, like you, you give him a, one new food at a time, because if there's any allergies, you want to be very certain, oh, they're allergic to this. So that way you're very systematic about it. And okay. Anyway, so introducing a new food was like always an occasion. And he was getting a little bit older. I don't remember how old he was at this point, but we decided today is the day he's going to have chocolate ice cream for the first time. <laughs> like this is party, right? This is this is it, you know, chocolate ice cream. So I had the the, the little baby spoon, and I'm about to administer <laughs> his first taste of chocolate ice cream. And he refuses, he refuses to, like, he just didn't like the way it looked. He refuses to eat it. And I was so frustrated. I'm like, you don't understand. It's chocolate ice cream. You're going to love this. You want that. You want this, you know? So, and he refused. And I, I don't know if I did the right thing or the wrong thing, but I was like, no, 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 no. You are having this. And I shoved it in his mouth. And he was like, oh, yeah, <laughs> that, that was really good. And and it makes me think of like mitzvahs. You know, a lot of times we're like, oh, I don't want this mitzvah. I don't want that mitzvah. And God is like, they're mitzvah. You want this. This is good. You know, you, your soul is going to blossom. You know, you, you're going to get eternity for this. You know, you want this, you know. And we're like, yeah. <laughs> I got to drive to that apartment house and drop off my new jacket to see if it's got shot in it. Can I just put it on? I mean, I already paid for it. You know, it's like, so, so, so a lot of times, see, this is what it means where the verse says, 
Behold, God says, behold, I'm, I'm putting life and death before you. Choose life. And I heard Arav explain so beautifully this. this I learned this last year. It, it made such an impression on me. Why does God have to tell us something so abundantly obvious? He puts life and death before us and he tells us to choose life. Isn't it obvious? And what he said was, it's not obvious because a lot of times in this world, death looks like life and life looks like death. And, you know, you know, that bag of potato chips sure looks like life to me. Right? So we have to we have to tune in better. That's the heart and the mind getting tuned in better. Okay. Now let's we, we were still trying to explain what clarity is, okay? And what it means that appoint righteous judges and that's gonna bring you'll live long in the land. So so we want that connection between Mishpat, judgment, what what judges do, and life. How does how does it work? Okay. And remember, mishpat equals clarity, right? Judgment equals clarity. So, so let's let's we're going to solve all these questions in the next minute, okay? So, when we ate from the tree of knowledge of good and bad, good and bad got completely mixed together, and that's what brings death into the world, right? So, how do you undo death? What's the opposite of death? Is life. How do we undo death in the world? And the answer is by unmixing up good and bad. And how do we unmix up good and bad? Through mishpat, through judgment. Because judgment is all about making distinctions. Yes to this, no to that. Yes to this, no to that. No to that, yes to this. And we put them in two separate categories. And now we have good, and now we have bad, and they're distinct, and it's clear. So now we're putting it all together now. You know, and by the way, Rabbi Green told me years ago, but it always stayed with me. He says, you know, what are we doing in the base medrash all day, right? In the in the Torah learning centers. What are, what are, what, what are Torah scholars doing all day? They're making distinctions. This and not that, that and not this, this and not that. And sometimes very complex distinctions. But that's exactly what we're talking about. And on the grand scale, on the macrocosmic scale, when you make these type of distinctions, you are separating the good and the bad that got mixed together in terms of the essence of our reality that we live in right now, which happened when we ate from the tree of knowledge. And now you have, when you unmix them up, you have bearer, you have clarity, and clarity brings life. So appoint judges, righteous judges in the land, and you will live, you will have life, says the Torah, says God. Because Making distinctions, what righteous judges do, brings clarity, which unmixes good and bad, which removes death from the world, and gives us life. That's why we want beer. 
That's why beerer is the home run word, because clarity means death goes away. Because I see the straight path to life right now, because the whole world is not mixed up anymore. It's not mixed up anymore. Okay, so we'll just end by by this quick review. We have this awesome opportunity right now, right? This is a time of real conception right now. We're conceiving this new light, which has never come into the world before. The time of conception is right now. And who we are right now is going to disproportionately influence what our new year is going to be like. So imagine what you want your new year to be and concentrate on being the parent who can produce that year right now. Do those actions. Do those actions. Every day, do those actions. And remember, it all starts with the ultimate clarity of getting your mind and your heart together, which happens through Torah study. And then we're able to shine a light into our heart and to get rid of any barriers that stands in our way. Okay, have a great week. Thanks for listening. We do this every week. So join in again next Sunday for a new podcast where we explore the amazingness of life. And review us and send in any comments or suggestions. I'd love to hear them.